think that's, you just don't see that. You know, that was just a really cool moment kind of thing. So if you'd like to, you can join us up here. Uh, we just want to pray for them and, and thank God for, uh, for what God is, is doing with us here. God, we thank you so much. Lord, we are honored. I am honored to have uh, Rick coming on board with us. But God, we are honored just also just to, to, to know him and to know Didi and the life that they have lived for you and the things that they have done and the, the people that they have helped and, uh, and the people that Rick has ministered to on bases but also in, in extreme harm's way. And Lord, the times when, when those soldiers had nothing to look to and Rick stepped in there and pointed them to God. Lord, we're amazed by that, we're humbled by that, and we're honored by that. So, Lord, this transition, it's, it's big, it's huge for him. You know more than any of us here. And uh, there's so much unknown for him, but there's not for you. And so, God, you just guide him and lead him through this, that we are, we are honored to, to be a part of this transition with him. So walk with him and Didi through this. Um, this is something that, uh, Lord, you've been preparing for us for a long time. And, uh, Lord, we're thankful. And so we give it all to you in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. And we do have a uh, card that he can actually take with him this service. <laughs> and uh, this, this, is, uh, this is just a cool thing. He, he doesn't have to, he gets to pick out his own clothes in the morning. As, as somebody said in first service, he can grow his hair out now. Whatever he wants to do. It's, it's a great time he's looking forward to. All kinds of good stuff. I did want to mention, some of you guys have, have been, uh, you, you don't know some of the history of our church, so I'm going to give you an opportunity to know a little bit here. The guy that started this church, pastored it for 11 years. I took it, was it 11? I think it was 11. Then passed it, then I took it after he pastored He's here this morning. Randy, why don't you stand back there and... Uh, we just want to, uh, we want to blame you for whatever. <laughs> whatever, whatever has been wrong here, it's him. So, uh, so yes, it was a little chilly this morning, but here's, so this, this Randy will enjoy this. Um, all of our heaters have gone out in the building, and they've all been red-tagged except one, so we've had, that means they're shut down, they're illegal to use anymore, and because uh, they're too old. And so we've been working on that this week, well, actually we've been working on it for a few months trying to get this done, but it's not as easy right now to do that, and so we're actually, we're trying some tricky things because the, the city and engineering says we can't do some of the other things we wanted, so hopefully, hopefully within the next two or three months we'll have heat in here, and uh, everything will be good. Right. Um, I also want to introduce you to somebody. Ted, why don't you stand back there? Um, so, so the, the reason I want you guys to, to to look at Ted. There's a reason that he is here, and I'm gonna explain this because this is a very important thing. All right, this is what Ted does. He helps people, shows people, and makes it happen. Gets people elected to school boards. Okay, this is his life. This is what he does. So the reason that he's here is I want you to take an opportunity today and talk to him. If you have any idea whatsoever in faint passing of thought that maybe possibly you would consider the idea of having a discussion about 
running for school board, please talk to Ted. Okay, this is what he does. He's done this for a very long time. He knows what he's doing. Two weeks from now, he's going to be back, and we're going to have like a gathering after second service. We'll provide lunch, and he's going to go into more detail. But what you need to do today is you need to talk to him, and you need to pick his brain a little bit. If you think, well, I'm too old, that's not true. Too young, that's not true. That, that might be true. But, but um, well, I don't have enough education. None of those things, okay? If you have a heart for the kids in school, if you are frustrated by things you're seeing going on in public school, if you think you can just be a voice that can be heard, please consider talking to Ted about this. Okay, this is, this is why he's here this morning, is to talk to you about this. Please consider it. We need people on the school board. I'm working with a few school boards right now in some of our districts, and I can tell you that I would pick almost any of you, not all of you, but I would pick almost <laughs> any of you to be on those school boards rather than some of the people that are on those school boards. Okay, please consider this. Please consider this, all right? Ted will be out in the uh, four-year after service. Talk to him. Uh, think about this. Thanks, Ted. Um, and then we'll kind of move forward over the next couple of weeks with that. Some things that happened this week. I'm sure you've seen some of this, but there was a 20-year-old nursing student that had been resisting getting the vaccine, getting the vaccine. They said they were going to fire her if she didn't, weren't going to graduate. She wasn't going to get a job. She's working with a nursing group. They were going to fire her. All these different things basically ruin your life if you don't get the vaccine. She finally submitted and got the vaccine, died of cardiac arrest the next day. 20 years old. And people are saying there's no connection here. Guys, this is, this is a dangerous thing. And we're still, every day, we hear more lies being uncovered. We hear more um, uh, manipulation and control. Fauci, CDC, NIH, this was completely about money and manipulation. It was not about people. Now, there, are, there were nurses, doctors, and hospitals that thought it was about people, so they did this. And they, they were, I believe there were innocent people involved, but not a lot. The, the, there's too much information out there. There's too much science that said this is horrible for the human body. Stay away from it. Um, when are we going to, to listen to this stuff? Um, and I personally am of the school that I think Fauci should go to jail for this because he knew this. He actually helped develop it. So he needs to go to jail as, as a lot of his team did. But guys, pay attention Pay attention when major parts of society are saying, wait a second, let's slow down or at least pause. Pay attention to those kind of things. Couple, a couple other things. Um, you know that uh, California has been pushing this bill and it just got voted on that uh, babies can be aborted um, up to the time of birth and they can be killed. They call it, um, they call it perinatal abortion. It's not abortion. It's murdering little babies. Of course, it's murdering little babies in the womb, too. But now it can happen after birth in the state of Colorado. And by the way, I, you've, I'm, I'm saying California. But by the way, in the state of Colorado, if you have read the, the abortion bill, it does not limit, it doesn't give explicit instructions that it's our, our permission, but it does not limit a child being killed after birth and it does have language in there that that mother cannot be prosecuted. Okay? I've, I've read parts of that bill to you. Pay attention to this stuff. Another thing that California did this week, Governor Newsom signed the 
the bill that allows um, uh, doctors to be disciplined for misinformation. And the person that decides the misinformation is Governor Newsom. Okay, this, this is one of the things that... What, what, this is one of the things that I'm pushing against here is this whole idea of executive order, executive action, all this kind of stuff. Governors are not... They're taking rights that are not theirs. Governors are not legislators. They don't make laws. They are supposed to carry out those laws. They don't make those laws. And we're seeing this run rampant in Colorado. We're seeing it in California. We're seeing it in other states where governors and, and our president, too, are just making laws. They're, called, they're actually called administrative rules, but we call them executive orders. It's against the law to do this. Okay? Um, a couple other things to just be paying attention to. With China crashing financially right now, the, the yen is, is uh, going through the floor. Um, they are... They are ramping up a lot of their um, infiltration into American uh, systems, uh, cyber warfare, all that kind of stuff. At the same time, they're talking nuclear. Uh, at the exact same time, Xi Jinping is missing. Many people are thinking that he is dead and that they are having a coup and that uh, China is bringing in new leadership. Now, that might mean they lean more pro-West or anti-crazy, but it it may not, and it may be, okay, now is the time. He hasn't been doing his job. Let's take Taiwan. That'll be step one, and then nuclear. And at the same time, Russia is now, they've taken four or five other areas of Ukraine, and they're now bolstering nuclear talks and things like that, that if anybody tries to push back, it's going to be nuclear, and then they're both cooperating with Iran, okay? This is all crazy stuff that's going on, so be paying attention um, to all of that. So with all that good news... Let's, uh, let's look at this. I want to I show you something this morning that I think, I think maybe some of the whys of, of what happens in uh, life and society, I think, I think this would be good for us to, to process. Here's the question. I've answered this question about abortion for, for years and years and years. Why, why, is, why is Satan so adamant about abortion? All right? Now, we have, we have a belief system. I have this belief system. I don't know if you do, but I, I believe that when children... Um, die, babies and children, before what we call the age of accountability, which is not a theological thing. We don't have a number for that. That's, that's an ambiguous term that we use to explain something we don't totally understand. Okay? Um, but I believe that children that die before the age of accountability go to heaven. That's not actually in the Bible anywhere. We don't have any theology that proves it. You can get some scriptures around the edges that do talk about this, a little bit. There's, there's one scripture in particular that Jesus uses, but, but it's not a strong the, theological statement that you can make and prove it in the Bible. In fact, um, Catholics believe in something called original sin, which says that when a, a baby dies or a child dies, infant dies, that that uh, baby goes to hell. That is actually, now that's old school. That's not really post-Vatican uh, II theology. But that is a theological mentality from the Catholic Church back in the day. And that's why they baptize infants. Okay? Because if that, that infant needs to get baptized very quickly because it's baptized into the church. And now the church covers that baby and protects that baby. It's not really the blood of Jesus. It's not the way they would explain it. It's the church covers that baby and that, that baby is, is taken care of. Um, but we, we don't believe that. Or I hope we all in this room don't believe that. I believe that babies um, go to heaven. And dogs too. So I, I do believe that, by the way. But now, now here's the question. 
why would Satan be so adamant about abortion if theoretically, this is a weird way to state it, but theoretically Satan is contributing to people, babies going to heaven. I've explained that before. There's a lot of details to that. There's some things in scripture. Um, I think the biggest, easiest way to get there quickly is that we're creating the image of God. I'm going to talk about some of this. Creating the image of God and that um, Satan doesn't like that image and he doesn't like that image doing well. And uh, he wants to take that off the table. He doesn't want that image to really represent God. He doesn't want that human being to look, act, talk, pray to God, any of that kind of stuff. And so he takes that off the table. He definitely doesn't want that, um, that person uh, witnessing to people and changing the world and doing all this kind of stuff. So he just takes it off the table at the beginning, right? Now, so, he, so he's looking at potential. Uh, but here's the, here's the bigger question is why, why are human beings so focused on abortion? Not... I'm saying you can say, well, because Satan is driving that. Sure, I, I wouldn't disagree with that, except I think that's kind of a, it's a non-answer. It's, it's a, we're not really processing it. Why, why are human beings so obsessed with abortion? And then, because the, the reason that I get most of the time doesn't answer the second question, which is why has our society become so um, vitriolic and full of, of evil and hate for children, not in the womb, babies, but now children, where they're attacking children. A lot of the stuff that we're seeing going on in the schools and things like this is children. I'm sure that you guys saw this video over the last couple of weeks of um, this classroom that had um, the, the, the two cross-dresser transgender uh, people come in, and, and one of the guys dressed as a woman was standing there dancing, and the little uh, kindergartner went up and, and was rubbing the crotch of the, the dancer. If you say, I don't know what you're talking about, look it up online, okay? And then the other one was kept uh, being very vulgar in front of the kids. Now, now here's the thing with me, and let me tell you on the political side, okay? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this, and I... And I've said this at some town halls and things, and I've had people come up afterwards and said, you, you might want to tone that down a little bit. You're going to turn people off. Okay. I don't care what people think about this. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to develop legislation that if you are an administrator, school administrator, teacher, counselor, um, anybody that, that invites or permits that kind of behavior in the public classroom, public school classroom. See, if, that, if you take that, that pervert and you take him outside, 100 yards outside the school, and that child is out there rubbing his crotch, that is pedophilia, and he will go to jail for that. You bring him into the classroom, and it's acceptable because we're enlightening these children. No, we're abusing these children is what we're doing, and I'm going to put legislation that says if you are complicit somewhere in that chain of command for that, that transvestite to come into that classroom and to do that, you are going to go to jail for that. You're not just going to be a parent get upset at you. We've got parents bringing this stuff in, board, in school board meetings and, att and attacking the administration. And the administration is just, well, that's where we are as a society. You know, we've got a big push right now with... Um, with MAP, minor attracted persons, guys, that is, that is a perverted demonic term for pedophilia. This is a sin to begin with. It's 
morally repugnant, and people need to be put in jail for it. And we're playing games with this stuff. So, so here, here, is, here is the weird thing for me is why do those teachers just stand there? They're scared to death to speak out. They're going to be told by, they're going to lose their jobs. If, think about this. When that was happening, some adult, if that kid's father would have been in that room, if it would have been me, I would have taken that guy out. He's, he's gyrating and all this kind of stuff, and this kid doesn't have a clue what's going on. But the adults in the room did, and they watched it. This, this is, we, we have left Sodom and Gomorrah so far in the rearview mirror, it's disgusting. Now, now, here's the deal with this. All of that stuff, okay? Now, I, I, this comes up sometimes when people wonder, I'm going to tell you what I believe. By the way, my wife is not really on the exact same page with this issue that I am. I believe in the death penalty. I, I just do. I think that's a biblical thing, and I think that when you take somebody else's life, you, you specifically with that intentional knowing, I think you've got to be held accountable for that. Um, I don't think the death penalty is, I think it's too nice for pedophiles. I have other plans for pedophiles. I don't verbalize those when I'm being recorded. But I, 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 I think this is horrible and egregious, what we are doing to our kids right now. So here's the question, why? That's the question, why? Why are human beings, I know why Satan does it. He can't stand these kids. He can't stand that they look like God. He can't stand the fact that God loves them. But why do people do this? The same thing with abortion. One of the easy answers is, well, they, they want their, their, uh, their sexual activity to not be held accountable. And so they, I think that's a little bit of a cheap shot answer because it doesn't really answer the bigger question. What about all the people that are for abortion that have nothing to do with whether or not they've actually had an abortion and they actually have children, but they're pro-abortion? Why, why do people that are not worried about getting pregnant, why are they so adamant about abortion? It's not just because of the lifestyle, although that is a legitimate part of the answer, but that doesn't fit at all. And then why are these people so attacking our children right now in schools and at every single level trying to take away children's innocence. And, and that's, that's part of the key. Psalms 139 verse 13. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I, I love the, the, of course, David always has the ability to say stuff that he just, I wish I could do that, right? He says things you go, yeah. That's it. And he also knew what inner parts of people looked like because he had cut many people open over his lifetime. <laughs> you made all the delicate inner parts of my body. This, you, you, do you hear this kind of worshiping epiphany that's going on here? He's getting it. He's understanding something, but it's also kind of a worshiping mentality. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. This is one of the things as being a pastor for 30 plus years, I, I've always been amazed by people. I, I've been amazed at how God makes you, makes me, creates us. And every time you meet somebody and you realize the uniqueness of them, it's, it's different than anybody else. Oh, they'll have likes and dislikes like other people, maybe like you or whatever, but that people are so different and so unique and I really believe amazing. Now, the sad part, and this is what a lot of this is about this morning, is the sad part about this is, is oftentimes we don't think we're amazing. 
God does. He made us. In fact, have you ever thought just kind of long enough to process that when we're really down on ourselves and we're discouraged with ourselves and we don't think that there's that we're special or we're important or whatever the case is, what do you think God thinks about that? Because he made you. And, you're, and I, I wonder if God is saying, I, I really did a pretty good job if you just pay attention. I, I did pretty good with you. But we don't think that oftentimes. And he says, your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. You know, we use this, this, um, this kind of this Esther mentality to say, well, you were created for such a time as this. And most of the time we use that terminology, we're using it for a moment in time. Right? That you were, that, and and I, I, the reason I'm saying this is I don't like this mentality. I don't think this is what God was trying to say um, to Esther, when Mordecai says this to her, I don't think he was saying, God, um, Esther, your whole life was about this moment. Because basically what you're saying is, the rest of your life doesn't matter. Your whole life is just about this moment. But I've showed you this before. Later, when Nehemiah comes to the king and says, I want to go rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, Scripture there says it doesn't use the, the name, but the Scripture says that the king leans over and talks to his wife about it. You know who that wife is? Esther. That's her. And he leans over and talks to her. That means he has been asking for her opinion for years about stuff. And then she encourages the king to let him go build Jerusalem. See, I do like the idea of that God really develops you and, and has you in a position in a moment in time. I like that. Um, I, I think I'm entering into one of those in a way that I probably don't understand yet. But, and, and you're going to go through those. Where you don't, you don't really know, but all of a sudden this is the moment, and here it is, and God is got you there, and you're the one, and I do understand that. But I also believe that the bigger picture is that God has specifically intentionally created you for this time called your life. Amen. He's created you to live this life and to be unique in this life and to do something for him not just in a moment, but your entire existence. And the reason that you can get to a moment where God will use you in that moment is because he has been developing you and guiding you and preparing you and doing stuff with many moments along the way for this moment to be one of them and a, and a direct purposeful time frame. But it's you that he needs there because he's been developing you for your entire life. And then there's going to be another one. And then there's going to be another one. And all these things fit together. John 10.10 10 tells us that Satan has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But that Jesus has come to bring us a rich and satisfying life. That's where, when do we say, then I'm going to be in Jesus' camp? And I don't mean, okay, I'm going to get saved. I'm saying that we're all in. I want that rich and satisfying life. Not defined like, like the world defines it now. Not defined even like this humanistic Christianity where rich and satisfying means you're going to be wealthy and you're going to have stuff. That is not what I'm talking about. I think the, the older I get, I understand this, and I would say the older you get in Christ, you understand this. 
Rich and satisfying is not tied to, to money and finances. It's, it's just not. It helps sometimes. But it's, it's not, that's not what it is. I, I can't tell you how, how rich and satisfying a five-minute phone call with my grandson and granddaughter can be. And my grandson just carries the phone around. We can't see him. We're looking at the ceiling. We're looking at the ground. One time, one time he was sitting there and he wasn't wearing any pants <laughs> at all. And he said, um, Papa, well, he was, he was wearing, the only thing he was wearing was shoes. All right? And he said, Papa, I got some new shoes. And I said, let me see. He didn't know how to focus the phone on the shoes. <laughs> I kept saying, okay, Bubby, that's not your shoes. That's not your shoes, Bubby. That is not your shoes. <laughs> I want to I show you some stuff. We're, we're going to look at some, um, some children here, and then we're, I'm going to kind of unpack this a little bit. We're going to start with a little video. I'll keep my hands up for you, okay? Let mommy go. One, two, three. Feet left. Go ahead, Wynn. Okay, now Winston goes and you wait. Go ahead, Deacon. Guys, let me let me pause it. Let me pause it something for you just real quickly. I I think one of the reasons that people want to take babies out of the womb, abort babies, murder babies, massacre them. It's, it's horrible. It's horrible what they do to them. And the reason that we're pushing and attacking our children so much is there's something about the innocence of a child that you can't get back. You can't go back there. And, and the more that you've been hurt and abused or, or, um, or tragedies or abandonment and all the different things that happen to children, and they happen a lot more than they don't, is you, you cross a line as a human being that you can never get back to that. You, you're never going to be this little kid, right? You, just, you can't go back to that age. But there's something simple and there's something innocent and there's something amazingly beautiful about that child. But you can't go back there. Now, I do believe that God can restore purity. I believe that God can restore um, self-confidence and, and this beautiful, intricately woven mentality. But that doesn't mean that the events of past go away. And I've just seen too many people over the years that, that part of the reason that they, I, I believe this is the driving force behind a lot of stuff we're seeing in society today, is you've got that child, that image of God, that innocence, and their innocence was, was taken away and, and harmed and, and, um, and corrupted to the point where when they see innocence like that, it hurts them so bad that they want to pull that child into the darkness and the evil that they're in. And when they look in the mirror, they don't like what they see. And when they see that little child, they see that time frame and that innocence of that little child. And it's, and it's painful to them. It's not pleasant. It's not, a, it's not a good thing. And so we attack. We attack that innocence. We attack that. That, that, that beautifulness of a child. And we're seeing this all across society right now. I, I, I know I know this is not the popular way to ap approach this subject, 
Um, but I know this to be true. Guys have been counseling people for 32 years. I know this is a fact. I know it is. That homosexuality almost always, nowadays we're seeing it, it's become a fad, fashion, it's become cool, and the superstars are all experimenting all this stuff. So we're pulling junior high and high school kids into this homosexual lifestyle in a way that has never existed before. But before this kind of modern mentality, the, the, the way people became homosexual is because they had been sexually abused as a child. Hands down, that was the case. Okay? Now we are seeing a little bit of a change, but it's still a great extent of this. And what we're doing in the classrooms and schools with this stuff right now is, is contributing to that sexual abuse. It is sexual abuse to bring a stripper into a classroom of first graders. That's not okay. And God's created these, these kids. You used to be one. And he created us innocent, pure. You know, even when kids are doing things they shouldn't do, there's not, a, there's not an evilness behind it most of the time. It's, it's innocence. So I've got, I got some pictures just to get us in the right mindset as we move on. Don't push it. I'll yeah, let's watch it again. Up for you, okay? Let um, mommy go. I want to watch a video again. <laughs> yeah, I want to watch a video again. Who wants to watch a video again? Don't push it. I'll keep right. my hands up for you, okay? Let One, mommy go. Two, three. Pete, let's. <laughs> go ahead, Wynn. Okay, now Winston goes and you wait. <laughs> go ahead, Deke. <laughs> That's my grandson. That's my granddaughter. Luke chapter 18. One day some parents brought their little children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But when the disciples saw this, they scolded the parents for bothering them. You understand the disciples were late teens? The, the very oldest would have been early, early, like 2021. This idea, the picture you get of these all of these gray-haired men walking around with Jesus, that is not true. Okay, there's no possible way. They wrote books 30 years later, right? So these guys, they were just being 19-year-old kids where they, they were in charge, they're in control, and they're going to help Jesus protect you. They weren't being bad, but Jesus was like, do you even know why I'm here? Do you even know what I came to the earth for? Guys, think this through. Back up a little bit. I came for people. I came for you. I came for the kids. I came for humans. Not just some humans. Not just tall humans. Not just older humans. I came for all humans. So Jesus called the children and said to the disciples, Let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. I talked about this a few uh, a couple weeks ago at the journey at my house, we were talking about faith, and I was using the scripture that, that, uh, that Jesus wants has, us to have the faith like a child. And I, and I think that's, that's obviously true, that it is, do, do you know why we, our faith gets difficult? Experience. Experiential theology will tear down biblical theology most of the time. 
Experiential theology says this is the way I have seen it. This is the way I have experienced it. So then we extrapolate that over and put that on God and say, therefore, that's who God is. And God says, no, I've told you who I am. I, I, I'm telling you in the Bible who I am. And, and I go through all this. I'm not going through this this morning, but I go through this with healing and all the things about healing and how we see healing and all this kind of stuff because we come up with experiential theology instead of biblical theology. We're supposed to go by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, not the word that proceeds out of the mouth of me. That's you, me, not me, me. We, we believe what God says. And, and here's what happens in the big picture, not just in a faith issue, but in a Christian walk and life and, and worldview and everything. It is so difficult for us to have this mentality to have the kingdom of God, to receive the kingdom of God like a child. Because why? We're not children anymore and we've lived life. And life brings a lot of stuff. It brings, it brings a lot of baggage. It brings things and, and tragedies and problems. It brings good stuff too. But Satan is going to make sure that he focuses on all of the negative stuff. This is why 2 Corinthians 10 says that, that the spiritual weapons that, that we're fighting, the spiritual battle and the weapons and everything, is that Satan uses, he attacks our knowledge of God. Because it's the way you see God that will determine how you serve him, the way you pray and everything else. If you think that God is a healer, you will approach him that way. If you think that he is, but he doesn't really because he's never done it for you, you will approach him that way. And it's the same thing in any, in any area of our life. When it comes to us having a childlike mentality, not just faith, but a childlike look at God, there's so much of life that takes that away. And depending on how your father looked, you looked at your father and your father treated you will determine a lot how you look at your heavenly father. And relationships will determine how you look at relationships. And all this stuff that happens over time begins to determine all this stuff. Let, let me give you a kind of a little walk through this visually. Okay, now, and this is overgeneralization, and I'm not picking on people that are going to get their hair colored next week. I, I am, I am, I'm just using this as a generalization to, to help you walk with me through this, okay? I've, I've just seen this so, so often. I, I went into a coffee shop recently, and, and there was this um, guy in there, and he had uh, bright pink hair, and, and his, uh, Fingernails were painted pink. And um, because I've been working with people for too long, he didn't, he didn't trick me. See, this is what happens when somebody looks in the mirror and they hate what they see. And what they see is broken and dirty and filthy. And that's not how Jesus sees them, but that's how they see themselves. And this, and this can start young in somebody's life. When, when somebody, I just, I just talked to a guy this weekend. I was in Texas and, and, um, a couple days ago, he was, he was talking about his testimony and all this, and I talked to him afterwards, and he works with Teen Challenge. He was talking about this girl that had been sexually abused by a father starting at five years old. Mother left her father. Um, a few years later, uh, gets married again. Stepfather begins to sexually abuse her, abuses her for five or six years after that. Uh, she, the mother finally can't take it anymore. The little girl walks, she's an early uh, teenager now, walks into the kitchen and watches her mother shoot herself and kill herself right there. The uh, state puts her back in the custody of her original father. And, to, and then to see her as a 17-year-old as a and what she looks like and what she acts like. When I walked in this coffee shop, I see this boy. 
And I know this boy has been abused. He didn't have to explain it to me. And even if I said that and he denied it, I know what he's been through. I, I, I've just talked to too many people. I've counseled too many people. See, what he does is he dyes his hair real bright perp, a pink. So you don't look at him, you see bright pink. That attracts your attention. And you're not actually looking at him. See, when I was talking to him and he's, he's I'm ordering my coffee, I, kept, I just looked in his eyes, kept looking in his eyes. And every time he would catch, look up and catch me looking in his eyes, he would look away. He could not, could not look me face to face. Couldn't do it. And I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, how many grown men have abused you? You can't look me in the eyes. That I'm the, I'm the threat. I'm the bad guy. Dyes his hair bright pink, so you don't look at him, you see pink hair. And then you, you judge him, you do whatever you want. And, and by the way, um, that, that concept of thinking is not against you judging them. That's actually good. They want you to judge them. The, part of the reason is because then they can use that against you later. But part of the deal also is if you're judging, you're not taking time to get to know them, and that's really good. It's a defense mechanism. Just judge me. Don't, don't get to know me. Judge me. Paints his fingernails bright, so he turns off, pushes away most of the men that potentially could be good men in his life. That's a, for ladies, you may not know this, men don't like that. But then the men that will abuse him, they're attracted to him. So he's got the hair, he's got the nails, nobody's looking at him. And I've seen this where then it moves to body piercing. And back in the day, you know, you'd pierce your nose. Well, that's not good enough now. Everybody pierces their nose. My wife was talking about piercing her nose the other day. Let's, let's take a vote real quick. Should we do this? She's a grown woman. That is a grown woman. Anyway, so... And then we move from the nose piercing to what? Body piercing all over, eyebrows, cheeks. I saw a girl the other day had cheek, two, two piercings. I went and got my blood taken this last week, and I have to take Linda with me. I'm not kidding. I have to take Linda with me, and she has to hold me, and, I, and then they stick the needle, and I'm like, can you, can you imagine them saying, we're going to pierce your body? No, you're not. I will, I will kill you. I, that's what's going to happen. Go to the face piercings, lip piercings. And then what, then what happens, the next thing, because they want you to see that. They don't want you to see them. Because if you slowed down enough and you cared enough to see them, you might actually see somebody created in the image of God, and they can't take that chance because they don't like what they look like, and they don't want you to like what they look like. They don't like them. Why would you like them? All, all you're good for is abusing them. So then they start piercing other parts of their bodies that were part of the abuse, part of the pain. And so they, they double up on that pain and they start piercing all that stuff. And people will say, well, those are sexual piercings. There's no doubt about it. Those are sexual piercings. But it's directly related to sexual abuse. Why, why else would you pierce parts of your body like that? Because they don't want you to look at them because you might see somebody creating the image of God. So they pierce parts of their bodies. And that's not enough. 
And so now we've moved to the children. And we've got to take a sixth grader that is starting to grow breast and cut her breasts off. Because I hate what I look like in the mirror. How dare you become a beautiful young lady the way God designed you? How dare? And we attack. And we tear down. And we mutilate. We start with ourselves. Guys, we've been doing that for too long. And there's, nothing, there's nothing left. That doesn't, that doesn't accomplish it anymore. So now we've moved on to our children. Because every single child is created in the image of God. And every single child is amazing and beautiful and special. And this is what God wants you to see. Is that those children grow up to be adults that are beautiful and amazing and special. But what happens is in between that I'm a baby and I'm an adult, there's a lot of stuff happens, and a lot of times that stuff is not good. And we begin to let that define us and mar us and dirty us when, when we haven't done anything. We, and, and sometimes we can be complicit, and we are, con, con, we are contributing to the marring and the, and the, the, the dirtying and everything. But, but God still sees this intricately woven, beautiful person that he created in his image. Now, he still thinks you really do look a lot like him. He likes that. But Satan hates that. And he wants to continue to try to tear and twist and pervert. It's somewhere along the way, and I, and I get these questions in, in the town halls and the speeches and stuff that I do. I'm doing speeches almost every, well, pretty much every day nowadays. And I get this. People will ask questions. Do you, do you really believe? I got the, 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 some of you probably have already read the article that was written about me, and they were talking about this, this um, reporter asked me, you really believe in demons? Yes, I believe in demons. They're attacking you and me every day. And they're attacking our kids. They're, they're trying to twist our children and hurt our children. Guys, that's why as a parent, you got to protect your kids. you got to protect your kids. Most teachers are good people, and they're trying to do the right thing, but some are not. And don't be confused that there are some very dark, evil teachers that are trying to twist your children. You need to know that. You know how? Get to know your teacher. See what's going on. Go up there. Talk to them. Go to school board meetings. Become a school board member. They're, they're, Satan is taking our kids out, and a lot of our parents are being naive about it and assuming school was what it was when you went to school. And it's not. It's different. Society is trying to hurt our children, and we're not paying attention. We're letting this happen. We make laws Every single session, we make hundreds of laws that hurt our children. But nobody's paying attention. We're just assuming these are basically good people doing basically good things. And they're not. Just saw an article yesterday of this billionaire couple that are spending millions and millions of dollars in different states around the country right now to make sure that the 
the transgender and LGBT mentality will be in curriculum and being taught by the teachers, and they're putting pressures on the unions and, the, and all the uh, education, state education agencies, and they're spending hundreds of millions of dollars to do it, which means what? It's going to get done. People will be bought. This is not accident. And they explain in, in the article, they explain how they're doing it and which schools and what is their agenda. They've written it out. It's on their website. And we just go, yeah, but that's probably not happening. My, my oldest son says this, and he's, he's not totally wrong. He's kind of right, but it's a little naive. He says, Dad, that's not happening down here in Texas. First, it is. And second, it may not be happening exactly like it is up here, but that mentality will guarantee that it does. As our children. But here's, here's the cool thing. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ. So the question is, do you belong to Christ? We're going to pray about that here in a second. But look, but look at what happens here. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. You're not being defined by the stuff that happened to you. You're not being defined by the things that you, that you went through, your life, your existence. You're not being defined by those moments or those people. Jesus says, I can take you and do this thing. It's amazing. It's, it's crazy amazing, and it's instant. I can take my blood, and I can cover you with my blood, and it will make you brand new. And, and I've experienced this. Many or most of you in here in this room have experienced this where this is who I was, but the moment Jesus' blood began to pour over me. In fact, one of the things that I do when I'm praying, I, I, will, I will visualize this. So I, I've told you before, I, my, my shower time in the morning is my prayer time, and the water, the hot water is pouring over me, and, and, I, and I visualize that this is the blood of Jesus covering me. And it gets all in my face and my hair and all over me and gets in my, my spirit it's in my brain. It gets in my eyes. And I'm seeing through the blood of Jesus today. And I, and I do this visual thing. It may be gross to you, but for me, it's very spiritual and cathartic. Jesus, you're covering me with the blood. And your blood covers every part of me. And there's no part of me from this moment anywhere backwards in time that is not covered with your blood. There's no part of me at, at 52. There's no part of me at 51. There's no part of me at 45. There's no part of me at 10 that's not covered with your blood. And it makes me brand new. And I, I saw this thing that was going through youth groups as 20, 20 years ago probably. They were talking about how Jesus can bring back your virginity. And I'm like, I don't think that's true. But... I do believe he can bring back your purity. He can bring back your innocence. Oh, it doesn't mean you forget everything that's happened to you, but he can make you. He, he's not going to tell us that the only way that you really are going to be able to get this understanding of the kingdom of God is have like a childlike mentality or a childlike approach if you didn't have the ability to do it. He's not going to say that. But here's the thing is you can't do it, but he will do it with you. He will give you a, a child's approach to this. 
I was standing in the driveway years ago. My boys were like uh, two, three, four right in there. Emily was either a baby or just born. And, and uh, one of the boys, I don't remember which one, said, Dad, pick up. We had a van, old uh, brown van. And he said, pick up the van. And I said, guys, I can't pick up the van. The boys are like, yes, you can, Dad. You can pick up anything. And you're like, I, I could, but I'm not going to right now. <laughs> I just picked it up, but, but I set it back down real quick. But don't you want to go to God like that? Because you have to be intentional about this. You, this doesn't just happen. You've got to be intentional. God, teach me how to approach you with the eyes of innocence, with the eyes that don't have all the baggage that says this is not who you are and you don't love me this way or you can't do this. Or whatever. God, teach me to have the eyes of the little boy falling into the pool. Just give me a fresh New beginning. But he says right here, he'll do that. That if you are in Christ, you'll become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God. So you can't do it just by choosing to do it. You choose to let Jesus do it. You can be intentional about Jesus bringing that, that newness and that, that naive to your existence. God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. All this is a gift from God. He, gives, he brings us back to God, and then we can do this with other people. You know people right now in your, in your life, in your world, or your workplace, or whatever, that they need this. They have been so broken by the world. If they could just catch a glimpse of the amazingness of Jesus and just get this little glimpse of how big he is and how massive his love is and how huge his grace is, and that they could just be pulled in by him, their entire life would be amazingly changed. And you have the ability to tell them about You have the truth of this newness, of this freshness, of this innocence. You have the message. And no matter how broken they've been, no matter how whatever, God can do this. God can do something supernatural. It doesn't doesn't matter how long they've been in the problems. See, that's a lie that we tell ourselves. Well, they've been an addict for so many years. Jesus is bigger than anything. You can instantly change. We know this. You have seen people he's done this with. And you may be the people. So you know he can do it. He said he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we, you and I, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. The way he appeals to people is through us, you and me. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. This is the whole reason for the for the app that we're using to pray for your neighbors and to, to try to engage them is your neighbors, they were made in the image of God. They are God's kids. They just don't know him yet. And he is desperately wanting them to know him. Why? Well, how is he doing that? He's making his appeal to them to make them new, to create them new and make them all fresh and, and clean again. He's making that appeal through you to them. Amen. That's how he does this. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Why don't you stand with me? Let's just pray. God, we, we just come to you. You're the everything. God, I want to I get to the place 
where I know you can pick up my car. I want to get to the place where where I know you can pick up a planet. No question, no wonder, but that you just can. God, I want to get to the place where I know you love me so much that I know it. You already do, but Lord, I want to get to the place where I know it, that you love me. Lord, that there's a lot of stuff in this room. There's a lot of baggage. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of past. And Lord God, it has framed us and it has formed our thinking. And Lord, even as as we serve you as Christians, sometimes we're still struggling because of the stuff because of the stuff Jesus just breathe into our spirit right now every person in this room and however that looks for you what you need to say to them Jesus just breathe words of life just confirming that you love us that you've got the plan So, Lord, I ask you to forgive me anything I've ever done that's not pleasing to you. Wash me clean from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Just cover me with your blood and let that blood run down over me. Wash me clean. That when I open my eyes and I look in the mirror, I see somebody covered with the blood, a brand new person the old life is done away, but it's forgotten, and that I belong to you. Guys, you've got to ask him this. I can't ask him for you. You've got to ask him, Jesus, cover me with your blood and forgive me. Wash me clean. Forgive me for the times when I didn't trust you. Forgive me for the times when I just assumed that you didn't like me just wash me clean. God, I'm yours. You made me. You made me. Lord, I know you like me. You're proud of me. And if nobody else on this planet likes me, Jesus, you do, and that is enough for me. Jesus, I pray for our kids. I pray for our babies. I pray for babies inside their mommies' tummies all over this country, all over this world. Pray for those little babies right now. You made them. You, You love them so much. Lord, protect them. Protect them from us adults. Lord, I pray for our little kids, our infants, toddlers. Pray for our kids as they head off to preschools. Protect them. 
I know you love them. Protect them. Our elementary kids, junior high, high school, protect them. Speak into their life through somebody, Lord. Make the appeal through somebody to come back to you, to love you, to trust you. Lord, and we ask you to, to wash us, cleanse us of all the junk that we did. And then, Lord, wash us of all the junk that we didn't do, that somehow we have convinced ourselves it's our fault. But it was done to us. Just wash all that out of our mind and our spirit. Get it all out of our spirit. Lord, make us fresh and clean, brand new today. I'm yours. You made me. You made me to live this amazing life for you worship you, to speak about you, to study about you, to get to know you, to talk to you every day. Lord, I give you me. That I invite you into every single area of my life. Even the stuff that's difficult or painful, Lord, I invite you into that area. Holy Spirit, you get in there and you start doing the things that you do. The comforter, the counselor. Jesus' name. I want to, um, this picture, I want to leave this with you. I want you to think about this. This isn't really Jesus, by the way. But this really is a kid. And when Satan's picking on you, when your past is picking on you, when the pain, the junk, the stuff the best you can to see yourself as this kid and you're just sitting beside Jesus and he says, I got this. I got this. And then do the best you can. I know it's, I'm making it sound simple. I know it's not. But you do the best you can to say, okay, Jesus, I hand it to you. I hand it to you. Right? Before noon tomorrow, God's going to give you the opportunity to let somebody know Jesus loves them. Share life, light, hope with somebody. They're they're waiting. They need it. They don't know it, but they need it. Just share that with somebody. And God will honor that in your life. It's a guarantee. So shake somebody's hand. Tell them how glad you are that they are here and that you got to see them today. And uh, we will see you Wednesday night. Have a great rest of your afternoon. Talk to Ted out in the foyer. Ha <laughs>